And I said, I want to buy that place before we moved here and ended up coming here and going to this little cafe, which was now called the Star of Greece. And I just walked in there and the owners who were in there, I just went, John, Zanny, they were from Melbourne. And I went, what are you doing here? So we came across for a holiday and we've just bought this place. And it's like, oh my God. And I said, oh, I've just moved here. And they said, great, because we need a chef. And I went, sure. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. We've talked about the boom in regional dining and all that has emerged over the last decade or so, but some have made it a hallmark of their career for decades delivering a sense of place in regional Australia. David Swain is the chef and co-owner of Fino Vino and Fino Seppertsfield in South Australia. David, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Good. It's good to have you on the show. You've got the two venues, one in the city, one in the in the regions. What's it like trying to strike a balance with both of them? Um, it has been tricky over the last few years to strike a balance. Regional Australia has been booming. And that restaurant is just going from strength to strength in the Barossa. In town has been a very Difficult start. We opened about eight weeks before COVID hit and we were shut down. So it, it's rebuilding um, a restaurant that has no history of what it could be, I suppose. So it's, it's still a work in progress. Uh, you mentioned the boom in the regions at the moment. You've, it's been a real hallmark of your career, um, cooking in the regions and, and championing it. Um, have, you, have you seen it this good in regards to that sort of boom in, in the regions? No, I've actually never seen the regions so busy, ever. McLaren Vale, um, where I live, and Barossa Valley have both just been exceptional for regional tourism, which is fantastic. I've never seen the restaurants busier ever. And that's just actually making it easier for the regions because there's more chefs coming to the regions. There's more hospitality staff coming to the regions where it was very difficult to get staff 20 years ago. Has this boom changed your tact and the way that you approach um, the business? Um, Yes and no. I, I mean, I started... I started in the regions 20 years ago um, and my focus was always on creating a very regional cuisine for for where the restaurant was. And McLaren Vale, I I focused very tightly on the Fleury Peninsula, where in Barossa Valley, we focused very tightly on the Mid-North and Barossa Valley. And they've got incredible small producers in both areas that's um, really championing the hospitality industry in in both regions and it's better now than it ever has been I I think which um, is making regional tourism even better there's better food and better offerings out there now than ever take us back to the early days um, when you were young but what sort of role did food play in your family it was very important. My, we had a large cellar under our house, and that was full. My father loved 
the uh, regional Australia and the wine growing regions. So uh, the cellar was full of pickles, condiments, jams, and wine. Um, we had a very formal dining room that would it would seat twelve people at the table. Every Sunday would have a formal lunch. Um, my father was very adamant that we all had perfect table manners. So wherever we went out, that we knew exactly what cutlery to use, how to use the cutlery properly. Um, never put your elbows on a table; that is just rude. So we we had all this training and etiquette uh, growing up about how to eat and sit at a table and. That was also very important because it would be a three-course or a four-course Sunday lunch. That was very formal. It was good. We learnt how to set a table properly. We learnt how you cleared a table properly. I, I don't know why it was so important, but he wanted us all. I've got four other brothers and sisters. He wanted us all to be able to go out and have perfect etiquette at a table. Can you tell us a bit about any sort of dishes or feasts that you remember from those times, the sort of food that you were eating? Uh, we, in those old days, the butcher still delivered to our door twice a week. So he would come along and drop off all the meat supplies. And we normally always had a roast lamb or a roast beef dish on the Sundays um, with all the trimmings and condiments that went with a very – Classic Sunday lunch, but um, done perfectly and spent a lot of time in the morning preparing it all for the one o'clock lunch. When was the first sort of thoughts for yourself about a career in food? It, it wasn't when I was at school and it wasn't when I was living at home. I finished school and I went to university to study design and I did two years of, of, of design and I was working in kitchens back then just as a dishwasher and I was working at a, a restaurant called Doothy's BYO that was a small little restaurant in neighbourhood Adelaide in Unley and then I was also doing dishes at another restaurant called Mistress Augustine's in North Adelaide. So I was just working between the two, enough money to keep going to university and a final year project came through that I had to hand up and I had a little scooter, a little Vespa that I'd ride to university and I had all my portfolio on the back and it came off and went all over the road and I scooped it all up and put it all back together and some bits were missing and I don't know, I had just really enjoyed kitchens, really loved it and I got to do the my final year project and I just went I don't want to do this anymore and you know I was doing the dishes on a Saturday night at Mistress Augustine's and someone one of the chefs cut themselves and and just said to me you're on the pans right now and I'm just like um yes sure thing yes and yes Anne. <laughs> yes chef and I started, she was just right next to me, we, and I started cooking food, and the adrenaline was just next level. I was so nervous, incredibly nervous. Um, it was a small kitchen, very hot, uh, and very detailed food. That's the other thing I loved about 
the food or the food industry. I, I, I love design. So I could see what Anne was doing on a plate. Well, she was also a graphic artist. So her food was designed to the next level for the plate. And I'd never seen that. You know, we would cook at home or, or, you know, on the Sunday lunches and it was a classic roast. But what Anne was doing was she was putting detail of design onto a plate with flavours and textures and colour. And I just went, this is incredible. This is absolutely amazing. And it was also, so um, after that shift, Anne said, do you want to work here as a chef? I went, Anne, I've got no formal training. She said, I'll train you. Don't worry. So I spent four years with, at Mistress Augustine's, um, ended up being Anne's sous chef after a couple of years and, and worked there with Anne for those four years and absolutely loved every moment of Every day I'd go to work, I'd love it. Every day I'd just wake up and go, great, what are we going to make today? Whether it would be goat's cheese because you couldn't buy goat's cheese. So Anne's mother had goats down on the Flurry Peninsula and she would bring in milk twice a week. would make hard cheese, soft cheese, curds. So it was very exciting and I, I just loved it, really, really loved it. And right next door to Mistress Augustine's was Possum's restaurant, a Philip Sell restaurant, and between those two back doors where we would come out and have a cigarettes break or anything, the just being able to go into the two different kitchens and see two different chefs who were just so creative, really, really set me up for hospitality for my life. You got hooked on hospitality during that period of time. What were the really important moments for you as you built up your career? before the, the days of Fina? Um, after the four years at Mistress Augustine's, I decided that was enough of Adelaide for me and I wanted to get out. I wanted to see a bit more, so I headed off to Europe and I had friends living in Amsterdam. Um, so they came and took our, our share house for a summer and I went over there and took their, share, uh, their little apartment for six months and... I just started travelling through Europe and ended up in Spain and I stayed there for six months in Barcelona. And I, in the food that was coming out of the, the small towns around Barcelona, I just looked at it and went, this is, this is Australian cuisine because of the Mediterranean. Everything they were using, you know, we've, we, we are blessed with a climate similar to Spain and and what we have to use as a cuisine here is very Mediterranean-based. And I just uh, fell in love with Spain and its food. And I ended up going to London. I spent a year there. My brother was living in London. He was working in London, so I just crashed at his house for a year. Not that he enjoyed me being there, but... I love being there because it was a place to stay and it was very close to the central London. And I started working in a few restaurants and a few kitchens and I really didn't enjoy it at all. I was quite uninspired by the kitchens of London. They were classic French. I, I didn't, f coming from Adelaide and working 
at Mistress Augustine's and, you know, also Philip's cell next door and I'd do some shifts at Nettie's with Chong Lu. So these incredible creative chefs, the breaking ground of what cuisine was and I got to London and thought, this, they're just doing old Escoffia menus and it did. I just thought, I don't want to do this. So I ended up for a year working at a wine shop called Oddbins on Charlotte Street, Soho. And it was just at the time when Australian wine was really hitting the UK market. And no one knew about it. No one knew any anyone in the shop. They didn't know anything about Australia or Australian wine apart from, you know, the Paul Hogan ads with the Foster's beer and shrimps on the barbie. And, you know, there were the big brand names coming through, but for my whole life, we when we travelled, we I was from New South Wales, but we moved to Adelaide. But when we'd go back at Easter and Christmas and other times, we'd go through Coonawarra, we'd go through northeast Victoria, through Rutherglen, we'd do the Hunter Valley. So I had a fairly good understanding of all the wine regions and and how they worked, closeness to Sydney or to Victoria border with New South Wales and the high country. Um, and I became really good at selling Australian wine in the shop and it was great, actually. I thought, this is much better than food. I'd get a bottle of wine to take home a couple of times a week because I'd sell more than anyone else. And it was a really nice change from kitchens. Um, but that was a year or so in London and I decided to come back to Adelaide thinking, oh, I should come back now. And I was missing my family, and I, so I thought I'd come back and got here and did a Christmas at an Adelaide restaurant and then went, oh, I don't know why on earth I came back to Adelaide and headed off to Melbourne for a decade. And I just rocked up in Melbourne uh, with my partner and – and ended up in St Kilda, moved into a little flat in St Kilda and spent 10 years in St Kilda. And when when I was in St Kilda, I'd drink at a little place called the Dogs Bar and I met Don Levy and he had just taken over a lease and started to rebuild the Melbourne Wine Room or the George Hotel on the corner of Grey Street and Fitzroy Street at the roundabout, and that was where I spent the next five years of my life, in the redevelopment of the George Hotel. Um, from the initial stripping out the front bar, uh, rebuilding the front bar, getting that up and running and open. I, I don't know, Don and I just clicked quite well and I thought, this man's incredible. He is a restaurateur. He's changing the face of the way people eat in Melbourne. He had great vision. Um, yeah, and I spent many, many years working with that man. And along the way, the George, it just got bigger and bigger every year. We started with a front bar, and then we opened the side cafe and bakery. It was a 24-hour kitchen. Um, 
from midnight till seven in the morning, it was the bakery kitchen. So it was bakers and pastry chefs through there. The pastry, the head pastry chef was Louis Vossano, who was an incredible French baker and French patisserie chef. From the morning, seven o'clock in the morning, we would come in. It would be our kitchen from seven in the morning to midnight. We'd do breakfast, lunch, and dinner in the cafe. And at that point in time, Don was also doing a new downstairs bar called The Snake Pit that was run by Maurice Trezzini. And then he was doing the foyer to the Seaview Ballroom. So it was a building that was over the years was growing and growing into more and more and bigger and bigger. And at that point, this young English chef came through and his name was Jeremy Strode. And he came into the mix. He became the executive chef. And he was a huge influence in my career in cooking. I'd worked in kitchens. I'd worked in many, many different places. But he was a chef, who a, a sort of chef I'd never come across before. He was a true, true professional in every way. And he could command this incredible dedication to his kitchen and, and the brigade. Um, he taught me so much. He taught me all about kitchen management. He taught me about the costings of food. He taught me how... I could one day be my own boss and run a restaurant. He's, he was um, very influential in Melbourne at that time. His food was French, but it wasn't a French as I had known through the heavy butter and the heavy sauces. His, his French food was regional. It was personal and it was fresh and alive. His, it was a it's true French bistro food, country food, beautiful salads, beautiful terrines. Um, and yes, Jeremy and I then spent four years working together at the George. And he remained a friend forever, that man. He's a very, very special person who gave a lot back to, into the hospitality industry in Australia. Do you have any stories of the influence that he had on you? Um, it's not, probably not the stories, but the way he he managed people, I've I've never forgotten, and I still manage people the same. He was an incredible leader. He would come in and he would motivate the team in the morning. He would just get anybody who's not feeling 100%, he would get them up and he just ran it so tight. And it was just like, I do that now. I walk into a kitchen, I can see, oh, you have woken up and you're in a bad, grumpy mood, but I'm going to be with you for the next 12 hours, so you've got to change your attitude right now. So I'll go in there and I'll motivate them, say, come on, we've got a big day ahead, all this has to be done um, we're a team. If we all work together, it's going to be a good day. And that's what Jeremy did every morning. Every morning, he just got to got in. It didn't matter how he was feeling sometimes. You could see he'd had a rough time or whatever, but he was always the one who was just pushing the boundaries to go, we're in all, all in this kitchen and we're all going to have a good day together. And that really stuck with me, the way he could motivate people.
How did uh, the original Fino start in Wollonga? That started when I moved from Melbourne back to Adelaide, and I knew I didn't want to live in Adelaide. I, I knew I wanted to live in the regions, and I'd looked at around Polo Bay, Lawn, I'd looked at Dalesford, Newstead, Castlemaine. Um, I wanted, but I, I actually wanted to be by the sea. I, I love the sea. So I ended up moving back to South Australia on the Fleury Peninsula to Port Wollonga because I knew Port Wollonga. And just near Port Wollonga was a remnant scrub conservation park called Aldinga Scrub. And that's where we used to hang out in the school holidays, um, and that's where we had our holidays a lot of the time, down at Port Wollonga. And I knew that was close enough to McLaren Vale, and McLaren Vale being a wine region, I knew I could get employment there, and I knew it had tourism there. And for s- instinctively, I knew that with wine comes food, and that generally you get the best food and wine in wine-growing regions. So... We headed back here as a family. I had two little ones and my wife, and I ended up, there was a little cafe at Port Wollonga that we used to eat at when we came down for holidays. And I said, I want to buy that place before we moved here and ended up coming here and going to this little cafe, which was now called the Star of Greece. And I just walked in there and the owners who were in there, I just went, John, Zanny, they were from Melbourne. And I went, what are you doing here? So it's like, we came across for a holiday and we've just bought this place. So it's like, oh, my God. And I said, oh, I've just moved here. And they said, great, because we need a chef. And I went, sure. <laughs> so I started there and within a week or two, another chef from Melbourne rocked up and his partner was doing vintage um in McLaren Vale, and his name was Michael Ryan. So Michael Ryan and I, we spent a good year creating this most beautiful food in a restaurant perched on top of a cliff overlooking the most beautiful beach in South Australia, you know, Port Wollonga. We'll get all the fish from this fisherman called Jeff Howell. He would bring it up in the morning. It would just be whatever he caught. It would be squid. It could be blue swimmer crabs, sand crabs, King George whiting, snapper, mulloway. So we just, Mark and I would just get in the kitchen every morning and just create from what was pulled up out of the ocean that morning and had a great time, really good time. If you don't like kitchens, you don't have a great time. It's really hard to go to work sometimes. But I've, I just do love them so much. And there, this young woman came through the door. She'd just been employed. Her name was Sharon Romeo, and she was running the floor. And I, I just, we, I just met her and just went, who is this woman? Who is this most amazing, amazing person? And we just had this wonderful summer. Um, and I just went, one day I'm going to open a restaurant and I want Sharon to be my business partner. So we, we did that summer there and then the Star of Greece was shut for renovations. The, the, basically, it was a fibro shack that was full of asbestos. The kitchen was full of asbestos. There was 
we didn't even have a dishwasher. We washed everything in an old sink in the corner. So it was ready to be redeveloped and moved to what it was. So Michael, he left. He went up to northeast Victoria, um, opened a restaurant up there. I went to Salopian Inn and worked there for three years with Pip Forrester. And she was probably the chef or she she was the owner of Salopian Inn and she really taught me about regional food. She was, she was, the day I started there, she was like, okay, there's no mango, no banana, no coriander. These things don't grow on the Flurry Peninsula. I said, coriander will. She said, no, I hate it. So that was that. And she, she was very, very pure to the sense of the Flurry Peninsula. She knew every farm, every grower, every winemaker, Everything just got dropped at the back of the restaurant. Uh, Oversupplies of tomatoes would just end up at our restaurant. Anything, quinces, we would just have an abundance of food coming through all year. Um, The lambs were from just up the road, ducks from up the road. So she really taught me that regional cuisine means finding yourself in that region and digging deep into that region to see what it can supply and what it can give us. And we had a small menu, but it was 100% seasonal and regional. And before that, you know, I've in Melbourne, I was using Italian olive oil or French olive oil. I was using French vinegars. But she was going, all this grows here. And why wouldn't we use Australian olive oil? We've got some of the best olive groves just down the road. And I, that was a turning point for me understanding real regional food of it's right here in our country without having to buy from overseas products. That you know, That's all I knew, actually. That's all I was being told. That's the French olive oil is better than the Italian and buy this one where it was all just at our doorstep. So... In that time period of working at Salopian, this little cellar door came up in Wollonga. And it was a little cellar door and cafe, and the lease was up. And I called Sharon. She was working down the road at a restaurant or a winery called Penny's Hill. I said, I think I found a restaurant. Do you want to do a restaurant with me? And she said, yep. We said we always would. So we went and looked at it. And we signed the lease the next day and opened 21 days later. And that was in 2006. We, we just gutted the place with a friend who was a, uh, he was, he was a set designer. So he just came in and went, rip it all out. Here's a sledgehammer. And 21 days later, we had painted the walls. We had cleaned everything. We had built a kitchen because it was a cafe. So it just really didn't have a kitchen, just a microwave. Um, I did all the tiling in the kitchen, the tiling on the floors. We got a cool room in. We got Sharon's father to help. He was a cabinet builder, so he made all the tables. Um, we did it for basically nothing. It was We had no money, and we put this little restaurant together, called it Fino, and I wanted to do just pure regional food. Sharon wanted to have a wine list that was very, very small, eclectic, and pushing the boundaries of wine varieties that were not grown in Australia, or if they were grown, 
very small. But wine varieties that looking to the future of, of, of climate will grape varieties that will be grown in Australia in the future. So that was uh, sort of a little brief and we, Sharon's father made us this big wood-fired grill and we just cooked over charcoal. Very simple little menu and it was true. I It was true regional cuisine. It would, I would go out and get to the farms and pick up all the products in the morning and all the produce and it was only me and one other chef and we would cook everything and serve lunches six days a week, dinners twice a week, and it just went off from the day we opened, really. Had some tough times, but it was a great regional restaurant that had a great regional following, so that was really good. Tell us a bit about the produce of McLaren Vale that you were using at the time and, and um, you know, what, the, what that voice on the plate that you gave the region was. Um, it, was it was the seasonality of it, which was the beauty of Fino. It, the menu changed a lot because it may, you may have got broad beans and peas for two weeks, so it would, that would go on a menu for two weeks. The simplicity of the food, that also stretches back to Jeremy Strode. His food was simple. It was, it was about the ingredient. It was about the technique and approach. And you look at it on a plate, it's like, that is so simple. Anyone could do that. But if you look deep right into that food, it's not everyone can do that. You have to be a very, very... Oh, not trained chef, but you have to have the full ability to let the vegetables or the meat or the fish be the main hero, not the chef. So that was the real difference in real regional cuisine is the products are so good. They're so fresh. They're normally organically grown. They, they, are, they get to you within you know three hours of being pulled out of the ground. There's not much you need to do to food like that. There's, you don't need to have a lot of input into that. A lot of technique is great, but the input into that, of making that better, is almost impossible. So, we, uh, my, the, the food and the cuisine was very much based around the growers who we had relationships with, and those growers I still use today in town, in Barossa, because they are exceptional growers of vegetables and fruit, and the abundance. Town, town has been different. I, I thought I could bring a region to the town, which we have done, but I also didn't understand that the beauty of the regions is they don't drive to Adelaide to drop off produce to you. They don't want to. They don't need to. So it's just like, you know, I'd get the 44 ducks that someone down the road was growing. They still, those 44 ducks only go to one restaurant in McLarenvale. They don't come to town, even though I say I'd take them all. So it's like I've sold them to so-and-so. It's like, okay. So it, it, that really got me. It's like, ah, oh, regional food is actually regional food. And that is the beauty of the regions and the beauty of the wine regions with the food because it is an Australian cuisine. 
And I think over the last probably decade, it has really blossomed to something that not just chefs cooking in regions, there are really good chefs cooking in regions. Some of the most exciting food is cooked in the regions and that is a really good thing for tourism because tourism is what keeps the regions going. Um, and it's a, it's a long journey in, in, in the regions to keep your restaurant open. Winters can be quiet. And in Wollonga, we went through this wonderful global financial crisis, which was like, oh, yeah, does it affect us? No, not really. But it did because wine sales and international wine sales just plummeted. No one, so uh, pretty much our client base was the wine industry. They would come to our little restaurant, they would show off their wines, they would sell their wines, they would talk about grape varieties, I'd go through Sharon's menu, I mean wine list, and, and pick out these new varieties that, that I was like, oh, what, what is this strange Spanish wine? And, you know, discussions would be had. And then a lot of it got planted and but we had some really tough times where it's just like, oh, the global financial crisis has hit us because no one's coming in for lunch. All the wine trade just went and disappeared completely. But that was only a couple of years, and we have been very fortunate that we have a very loyal customer base that when the t things get really tough, they're always there for us, which is really, really really good for us. Were there challenges bringing scale to the Fino idea into the Barossa Valley when you made the move to the bigger venue? Uh, the scale was to try and keep the identity of Fino and the identity of regional cuisine very relevant. It And that was a real challenge. Instead of doing you know 50 or 60 for lunch, you're doing... 200 in a three-hour period. So that that changed everything. But my head chef up there, Sam Smith, who has just finished with us, he was with us in Wollonga, he has a very deep understanding of regional cuisine. And he has a very deep understanding of what Fino was, what it, what it was all about in cuisine through working with us for over a decade. So he brought that together in Sepultsfield really beautifully. We had big baker's ovens so we could create this beautiful rustic country bread that starts, you, that's where you start. And we have this process of these dishes flowing through to a crescendo at the end and then beautiful desserts. So it was a journey we had to take people on and we're in this environment of this estate and the old bottling hall that is a magnificent building. Right, and right next to us in, in the restaurant is the Centennial Cellar with 103 years, I think, of continuous lineage of vintage of port and tokane musket. It's an, it's an amazing place. It's incredible, actually. Um, and I, I think the because... We were so welcomed in Barossa by the people who really mattered, which were Maggie Beer. She she was she welcomed us and just helped us set up with all the producers of 
of Barossa Valley. So from day one, we were introduced to all the growers and all the farmers. So we were, instead of just going, oh, where are we going to get this produce from? It was there from day one for us. And that was an incredible, just that community up there is so tight and strong and so true. And they believe the Barossa so much that once you're welcomed in there, you've been welcomed in for life. And we've been very fortunate that Barossa has been an incredible journey for Sharon and I into our restaurants and very successful, which is even better. Tell us a little bit about your food and um, you lean on, lean on the producers of the region heavily, but is there a dish or two that sort of exemplifies uh, your food in the region at the moment? Um, for years and years and years, I've always loved cooking duck. Mm. And from way back at Mistress Augustine's, we used to get uh, these ducks from a, a small farmer. And I enjoy cooking duck. I have had duck on the menu for a while because getting ducks now is incredibly hard. COVID has just wreaked havoc on the small producers of Australia. We had three duck suppliers who now, they're not even doing ducks. So, yes. So a lot of the small producers who we have relied on, is just too hard for them. They have had two and a half years of restaurants not needing their product. And they've had to change from breeding ducks and guinea fowl and pheasants to chickens or leaving it completely and they're just putting pasture back to cattle and 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 lambs actually so that's a shame but we've just got this one supplier who breeds them in his back garden and his ducks are absolutely beautiful the Aliard peking cross um, they're fantastic and we just dredge them on the crown roast them very high heat very quickly rest them and this is the simplicity of food if you've got the most beautiful grown duck that has been dressed and presented beautifully there's not much more you need to do you make a beautiful glaze with the bones and you find some of the most beautiful spring vegetables that is a dish that you'll remember for years because it is regional and seasonal and you're eating it in the most beautiful setting. Uh, and I think that's what regional cuisine comes back to is you immerse yourself into a region and you can immerse yourself into the flavours and the textures of the meal you're eating and that you can't ever replicate in a city. It's something that people travel all over the world to small villages to find that essence of of reality and realness of food and um that's uh, I, I suppose that's why i really love regional dining and cooking in the regions is it's a very personal aspect to food it's it's all my kitchens are very open we because uh, i want i want the staff to be part of the restaurant nothing is closed away People can walk through into our kitchens and ask us questions. 
if they want to, it's like, well, how did you do that? Um, or where did that duck come from? So that you can't do in, in CBD restaurants. It's something very personal about regional dining and regional restaurants. They're a bit more relaxed, laid back. Uh, the people working in them are also a bit more relaxed and laid back. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful life. It's a really nice life. But saying that, our kitchen in town is completely open. The customer is within a meter of us cooking if you're on the kitchen counters. So we've tried to, we, what we did in town at Fino Vino, we tried to create Fino Wollonga in town in, in an aspect, in a way of something that is small, intimate, and Sharon and I have the ability to touch every plate and be able to communicate with every customer who was dining there for that evening or for, or, or for lunch. So it was bringing back something. The Barossa was large. It was fast. It was regional. But also we wanted to bring, Sharon and I, bring a bit of soul back to what makes us tick as business partners and why we first met each other at Star of Greece and loved I loved how she ran a floor. She loved how... I put food on a plate and cooked food. And, yes, yeah, so that's where Fino Vino, in a, in a big circle, has come back to, you know, I've been cooking 40 years in a kitchen. I wanted to bring it back to only what I want to do and how I want to cook and just have people who I want to work with. And I, that's, that's a journey that has taken my whole life, really, to get back. And Sharon and I still truly love the end game of hospitality and fine and dining which is pretty remarkable really remarkable to know that after so many years of both of us being in hospitality we still get there in the morning and we still have a great day at work and we just love making sure that the customer is having a great time and they go away with an experience that's not just coming out to eat. It's an experience of, of the journey of hospitality and the journey of we welcome all these customers into our home every day. And we treat it as our home. It's not a restaurant. It's our home and our place to make people really happy. Well, David, you've made so many people happy and it's an absolute honour to hear just a part of your story today. Um, please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.